Open your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4. The Sunday morning service might very well be the most important hour of your week. Now, I, I say it might very well be because I don't know what what would happen. It could be that uh, you'll have a heart attack sometime during the week and uh, that next crucial hour might be the most important hour of the week at that time. It might be that you'll have a water pipe break and uh, for a short while it is crucial that you get out there and cut off the water supply so that you can uh, keep from damaging the rest of the house. So there's a lot of different things that could happen that, you know, would make 30 minutes or an hour of great importance. But all in all, and week after week after week, uh, it just might be that the worship hour is the most important. And I'll say that because the last thing that I want to do is to waste it. I hope that we all, and notice I said we, not you, I hope we all leave better than when we came. I've said for many years now, I believe that we always leave different than we came. No exceptions to that. I don't think anybody ever leaves the same. You either leave better or in worse condition than whenever you came. And I hope it's for the better this morning. I could spend the next 30 minutes talking about a lot of different things, or I could sing. Just kidding. Just, I think you would prefer that I speak instead of sing. You might not be able to tell the difference between the two because I kind of sing like I speak, I guess. I, but uh, I could speak about a lot of different things, a lot of different subjects. Uh, some of them might be true, it might, it might even be interesting, it might even be important, but it might not be of any great profit to certain people here. And I'm glad I don't have to worry about that or wonder about that this morning because the subject I've chosen today uh, can be said to be the greatest in respect to several different things. So with all of that in mind, I, I want to read two verses, 1 Peter chapter 4, and then we'll go to chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 8, and above all things, underline that, color it red, something, above all things have fervent charity, that's love, among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now in chapter 1, in verse number 22, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now, I know we just completed a study of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 on the subject of love, and I suspect some of you are probably ready to move on to a, a different subject because we spent 
we spent months, probably 20, um, 20 or more messages from that chapter. And so uh, you're probably thinking, when in the world are we going to get on to some other subject? Well, I, I just felt compelled to kind of wrap it up with this message here this morning uh, because it's obvious that this subject is of great importance. You'll remember that Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he said it was a more excellent way. And then in chapter 13 and verse 13, he tells us that love is the greatest. The greatest, not, not in the top ten, but it is the greatest grace of all. And then in chapter 14, verse 1, he tells us that we are to follow after charity or follow after love. It's something that we ought to pursue. It's not something we ought to ignore, but we ought to be pursuing love every day of our life. Now, anytime you speak of something being the greatest, you automatically open the door for debate. I could say, who was the greatest ball player that ever lived? Somebody the other day said it was Ted Williams. Might very well be the greatest hitter. I'm not sure him, Ty Cobb, exactly who it was. We can talk about the greatest running back in football there ever was. And, of course, everybody knows that was Jim Brown. But uh, somebody might say it was the Tyler Rose. We could say, well, who was the best basketball player there ever was? Well, we don't even care about that, do we? <laughs> but, but. It's easy to get involved in a debate whenever you start talking about something that is the greatest. But, but listen, when it comes to this issue here, there shouldn't be any debate because in order to settle this issue, all we have to do is to consult the Scriptures. And the Bible is very clear about it, that the greatest of these, as Paul said, is love. It's the more excellent way. It is the one thing above everything that we ought to pursue. And that's why he starts out here saying in our text, you'll remember, above all things. So God says this is the greatest thing that we ought to be pursuing after. Now, that raises a question, in what way can love be said to be the greatest? Well, I don't think there's any denying that it is the greatest characteristic, for example. The greatest characteristic that we can have in our life. First Corinthians 13, verse 13, he says, And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. So of all of the virtues, the greatest is charity because God said so. He tells us it supersedes faith and it supersedes hope. And that puts it head and shoulders above everything else. Somebody might say, well, I think the most important thing in the world is faith. Or somebody else might say, well, I think it's important that we have hope because faith, you know, hope is faith in the future, what's going to happen. And we've got to have hope in order to survive. But the Bible says that love is above all of those. Now, everybody you know, including you, is known for something. Some people, you know, are famous because they excel. Maybe it's sports. They excel at that. And you just mention their name, and automatically you think about uh, the particular sport that they were involved in. You might even, you know, see images of... Uh, uh, of a play they made or them standing there at the Hall of Fame or something like that. It might have to do with uh, with acting. 
You know, the older you get and you go to thinking back to the old days whenever you were a kid and my Lash LaRue and, and uh, Bob Steele and, and these most, most of the people here have no idea who I'm talking about. Well, that's because you don't know about them old cowboys back then. Yeah, Hopalong Cassidy and all, all of those guys. You know, you just mentioned their name. Nobody has to, nobody has to say, well, you know, I mean, if you're my age, nobody has to say, well, who were they? Because you identify with that. They're known for their acting, or maybe they're known for their singing, or maybe, maybe they're known because they're an entertainer uh, of some kind. But we're all known for something. I can go to the place you work or the place that you attend school. I could even talk to your family members. Maybe your children or your parents or your siblings, I can speak with them and say, uh, what is the one identifying characteristic of so-and-so? And, and uh, just about everybody could put their finger on something and they could say, you know, this is the one thing above everything that, uh, that, that characterizes what they are. They're, you know, they're kind, they're loving, they're grumpy, they're grouchy, they're bitter, they're, you know, whatever it is. But when it comes to the greatest characteristic for those of us that call ourselves Christians, there's no doubt about it, we ought to be known for our love. It's better to be known for your love than it is to make it into the Hall of Fame or, the, or, or, or uh, you know, to get your... Your star on Broadway, or that's not Broadway, is it? That's Hollywood, wherever that is out there. I'm kind of glad I don't know, by the way. But uh, but just being known for love, it, isn't it great? You can probably think of someone that you know, and the very mention of their name and the first word that comes to your mind is love. That person just loved people. And it was obvious that ought to be characteristic of each and every one of us. But it's greatest in another way. It's not only the greatest characteristic, it's the greatest command. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 22 for just a moment. Matthew 22, and our Lord is speaking here. That makes it important. Amen. Chapter 22, and notice verse 37. And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all of thy soul and with all of thy mind. Notice this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. So there you have it. The Lord is telling us here that this is the greatest of all of the commandments. Now, while all of our obligations are summed up, as it were, in the Ten Commandments, God just, you know, summed them all up and put them together in order to enter into a covenant with the children of Israel, and that was the purpose behind that. And, 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 and by the way, that enables us to look at those commandments and to realize that we can't live up to God's standards. That we come short. And like Paul said, it is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ because we realize that as we are in and of ourselves, we fall short of the glory of God. Uh, but the Bible is full of other commandments besides the Ten Commandments. That's just a summation. And you go through the Bible and you find all different kinds 
of commandments. And whenever you, whenever you sum all of those up and try to put it not in a group of ten, but put it in one word, that word is love. That's it. To just sum them all up. That's what Jesus is saying right here. And remember, Paul says that without charity, we are nothing. That, that is a big fat zero. We are absolutely nothing. And, and that's his way of trying to tell us. Without love, there is no way that we can live the life that God purposed for us. No way that we can fulfill the responsibilities that we have toward God. And stop and think about it. Can you imagine a world without gravity, for example? I mean, the whole universe would become chaos because it's gravity that keeps everything, you know, in, in its place. Well, love is the gravitation that holds everything together. All of our relationships and so forth, uh, the, uh, the welfare of this church and every other church, depends on the gravity of love that binds us together with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the greatest command, and it's amazing to me that some people, you know, they get all hung up on a particular sin. And if they see somebody commit that sin, that, oh, wow, that, oh, that's the one, you know. Yeah, and we want to talk about it forever, it seems like. And the more we talk about it, the louder we get. And we denounce it in no uncertain terms. We just come unglued when that sin is mentioned. And we might even insist, hey, you know, it might be time for some more church discipline. After all, do you know what they did? But isn't it amazing that while we denounce all of those sins that we just we don't make that big of a deal out of people being unloving, do we? And listen, boy, it's quiet in here. This is the greatest commandment of all, love. And, and so many times, you, you know, it's absent and it's obvious and we just go right on acting like, oh, there's not a problem in the world. And there, in reality, is a very serious problem because there is a breakdown in our main responsibility toward God. It's the greatest commandment. It's the greatest characteristic. But it's the greatest credential also. We've got several cops in our congregation. I'm proud of that fact. I'm thankful for these, these folks that, you know, put their life on the line and get out here and serve the Lord. How, how many we got here today? All, all, all of you cops stand up. Well, surely we got a cop in the building. There's one, two, three there. And we've got more than, we got more than that. But, uh, thank God that all of them, I'll bet you right now, every one of them has a badge. Or some means of identification. Am I right? I don't have a badge. <laughs> I want a badge. <laughs> I wish I had a badge. You go around and flip that thing out there, you know. And uh, I don't have that kind of authority. I don't have a badge. And, and so the, I don't have any credentials saying that I've got a right to stop you out on the highway and, you know, insist that you do something. But... But all of these law enforcement officers, they, they have some means of identification. 
as Christians, we need to understand that the badge of a disciple is love. That's our badge. That's our means of identification. The believer's badge is love. And that's why Jesus said in John 13 and verse number 35, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, in that you have love one for another. Now remember, he's not talking to the world here, and he's not talking about the world in general. He's speaking to those apostles, these men that constituted the first church. So he's speaking to the church. And he doesn't say, by this shall the world know that you are my disciples in that you love everybody out there in the world. It's not what he said, was it? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples in that ye love one another. He's talking about those in the church. Is it obvious to you? Is it obvious to you that, that we love one another? It's, you know, so many times we talk about, well, we don't have much love for people out there, over there, whatever. Maybe we ought to talk more about how much love do we have for one another. That's so very important because we as a church will never be able to function as we ought to unless we have love one for another. I, Adrian Rogers was one of my favorite people. I, he was just such a humble soul and a great preacher. And uh, before he died, he made a statement that I, and I jotted it down. He said, what is really going to make your community wake up and believe that your church is really the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, isn't that a great question? What is it that's going to make the folks here in this community, you know, realize that, hey, that is a real, true church? Well, he says, he asked this question. He says, the size of your building, the way that the lawn looks, the signage at the street? And then he answers, he says, no, the way you love God and show love to others. Nothing can motivate a lost sinner like the heartfelt love of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, he was exactly right. And make no mistake about it, other people are watching us. And what they see goes a long way in determining whether they receive or reject the Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid that we be a stumbling block. You've heard it over and over and over again. No doubt some preacher has said, you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. And they're right. Your neighbor will never open up the Bible. They'll never attend a service here at Lakeway or any other church perhaps, but they are reading your life. And if you're the only Bible some people will ever read, you better be careful that the print's not blurred. You better be careful that they get a clear message. Because there's no room for error, no room for confusion. We've got to make sure the message is clear. And whatever other impressive qualities they see in you, you know, I look at the congregation and I see a lot of impressive qualities about people. We, we've got probably for a church this size more great cooks in this church than any church I've ever seen. It's really amazing. we got all these cops. I was listening to my wife sing a while ago. Who says a woman can't sing bass? Says she can, you know. I, that's impressive. I I can't, I can't do what she does. 
we got a lot of people that are really impressive in a lot of different ways. And that's all well and good. But the one thing about all of us that ought to be impressive is the fact that we have the credential of love. It's identifying us as a child of God. It's the greatest. It's the greatest. Uh, you know, I, somebody somebody commented on said I look spiffy or something like that. I don't know this morning. I said, well, that's because of my wife. She she doesn't dress me, but she put <laughs> she gets all the stuff I put on, so she gets credit for it. You know, but uh, you know it's Sunday, and I uh, you know ever since I got saved, I you know you you dress up and uh, uh, you, you, I mean at least you want to comb your hair. Good night. Don't come just like you got out of bed. You know you. Why? Because first impressions are important, right? And, uh, but you know, we can impress people in all of these other ways, and if they don't, if they don't see a heart of love, none of it means anything. That's the greatest credential in your life, love. But it's also the greatest challenge. I mean, at least it is for me, and I think it is for everybody. Life's difficult. Every day, with some, something puts us to the test. As Christians, you know, every one of us, I, I probably haven't said anything new this morning because every person here knows what I've said is true. You know that's what the Bible teaches, that we all love one another. I might have said it in a little different way, Hopefully a way that you'll remember of it being the greatest. But but all in all, you know what I've said. The problem's not in knowing. It, the problem is in doing. And I think most of us would claim that, you know, that yeah, ever since I've been saved, God has enabled me to love people. But the sad fact is we don't always love people to the extent that we claim to. Sometimes our love is lacking and we profess to love people that we don't. I'll never forget years ago because it really just knocked me off of my feet. We had, a, we had a deacon's wife that told my wife, not in this church, somewhere else, that she just couldn't wait until the youngest child Graduated from high school because then I'm going to leave my husband. I'm going to divorce him. I can't stand him, you know. I want a divorce, but I don't want to do it right now. How sad that is to think about, you know, living with your spouse every day and to, to not even love each other. That, that's a horrible thought to think about that. Now notice, and he warned us about it back here in chapter number 1 where he tells us in verse number 22, the unfeigned, the unfeigned love of the brethren. That means without any pretense, without any hypocrisy. Paul used a different word whenever he wrote Romans 12, 9. He said, let love be without dissimulation. But he's talking about the same thing. Don't just pretend that you love somebody. It ought to be real. It ought to be genuine. And mark it down, your love, your claim to love is going to be challenged. And sometimes it comes from really unlikely sources. Those that you love the most will hate you and hurt you 
the most. I'm talking about members of your own family or it might be a member of the church. It might come from somebody that you absolutely never suspected, somebody that you thought cared about you, certainly someone that you cared for, somebody that you loved, and all of a sudden they turned on you, and their fault is now putting you to the test. Because it's hard to love somebody that doesn't really love you. It's hard to love somebody that would intentionally hurt you in some way or hurt those that you love. And yet, notice what he's telling us, that our love is to be a fervent love. That is a red-hot burning love one for another. It is to be a love that is abounding. That means always going on before, above, and more. And that means that merely tolerating people then isn't the same as loving them. Now, it's a noble quality to be able to tolerate people that hurt you and use you and abuse you. That, that Tolerating them is a lot better than punching them in the nose. That's, you know, the, so that's not a bad thing to tolerate them, but tolerating people is not the same as really loving people. And sometimes we try to excuse our lack of love for people by... Well, we're just tolerating them, and that's all we're doing. Sometimes, you know, we go to what we think is the extreme, and we be nice to people that, that are not so nice to us. And that's mistaken for love. Being nice to people is not the same as love. There are a lot of nice, unsaved, unloving people out here in the world. They were brought up under the iron hand of their parents who taught them good manners that you be respectful, that you open a door for a lady and so forth, and you, and you know, you treat the elders right. That's the way they were raised. And so they've got good manners and they're nice. But that's not love. Now, it might be a part of love, but you can be nice without having love and the Bible is emphatic about this. We are to love one another with that red-hot, abounding love for each other. And I guess in consideration for all of our circumstances, you could say that life is a long lesson on learning to love. Because just about the time you think you've learned it, oops, Something happens, right? You ever had that happen? Oh, I just love him to pieces. Well, that's this week. Next week, next week, you know, they do something or fail to do something, and all of a sudden the love, so-called love, is out the window. So it's always a lesson on love, and we're always being challenged. And yet Peter says here that this ought to be above all things top priority where is that on your priority list this morning can you really say that the pursuit of love that's my number one top priority as a christian that's what i'm working on you know more than anything else in my life my number one on my list in other words we've been studying about the now y'all listen carefully i'm almost through But don't leave here without getting what I'm about to say. 
We've spent somewhere around 20 weeks studying about what God says is the greatest thing. Some of you haven't heard one single message. You need, I'm telling you, you need to think about that. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just telling you, all of these weeks that, and I, and I was convinced with all of my heart, that's what God laid on my heart. That was the one thing we needed to focus on week after week after week, and every Sunday night we've done that. That's why this isn't a Sunday night message. Now, I know there are people that have to work maybe on Sunday night. There are people that, that for physical reasons can't always be here. I understand that. But I'm trying to make the point that so many times we don't put the greatest thing at the top of the list. It's somewhere down here. If we get around to it, you know, we will, you know, we'll focus on it. If you don't think love is a major challenge, that's what we're talking about, it's the greatest challenge. If you, if you don't believe that, you think about those that have hurt you the most. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. And again, our Lord is speaking here in chapter number 5 of Matthew, says in verse number 43, You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor. All right. Everybody agree with that, right? I mean, all those old self-righteous Jews, they agreed with that. They knew that. But notice what had happened. They said, and you've heard, Jesus said, you've heard, this is what their attitude was, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. That's in the plural, isn't it? You've got more than one. Probably got a whole lot more than you think you do. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Man, that's, that's hard. Do good to them that hate you. Why? Do good to those that hate me? Why? Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now tell me how much you care about love. Tell me again where love is on your priority list. Tell me that's not a challenge. When you look at that and think about what love does, you love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. That, that's what love does. But that's not what most of us do. We've, we've failed the challenge in so many ways. Now notice verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father. Now he's not talking about this is the way that we become the children of God, but this is the evidence that we are the children of God. That we might be recognized as God's children. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the 
publicans the same? Wow. Sometimes we don't even do as well as those old self-righteous Jews and the publicans of all people that were hated and despised. I, I don't know about you, but whenever I think about failing God, it bothers me. It frightens me. Whenever God gives us a responsibility and says, look, this is what, this is my greatest commandment to you. And to make a failing grade at that, that ought to put us on our faces before God begging for forgiveness and help. Lord, help me. I have failed the love test. I've not done as the Lord instructed there in Matthew chapter number 5. People talk about the need of a revival in churches. I tell you, this is where it ought to start. With loving each other. For others, and I realize this whole message has been pretty much uh, addressed to those that at least claim to be Christian, those that are believers, and has to do with our responsibility. But for those that are here today that have never received Christ as their Savior, those that do not follow Him as the Lord of their life, those that do not see Him as their example, those that do not respect His authority, those that have not trusted Him for the forgiveness of their sins, your greatest need is not to be able to love other people more. It's not to give 10% of your income or attend church every time the doors are open or anything. Your greatest need is to be born again because there's no way on this earth that you can ever fulfill your responsibility toward God without receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because you see, He's not only the one who has the authority to impose these commandments upon you, He is the only one that can enable you to do those things. And He is ready and He is willing and He is able to help you. And if you're lost, He's able and willing to save you. And your life will never be what it ought to be until that happens. Would you trust Him this morning? While we stand together, Father... How we thank you, dear Lord, for loving us. Although there is nothing lovely about us and there is no reason on earth for you to be concerned about our needs, yet because it's within your very nature, you love us and you proved it with the giving of your own Son on the cross when he shed his blood. And how we thank you for that great sacrifice that was made that we might be forgiven, that we might become the children of God. And I pray for that man or woman or a boy or girl, somebody that's here today and they've never, they've never known Christ in the free pardon of sin. Would you speak to their heart? May your spirit draw them to Calvary. May they be saved even here this morning. And Lord, for those of us that have, that have been saved, God help us to meet the requirements for a disciple. Help us to so live that there's never a question 
about what our top priority is. Help us to love one another, for we beg it in Jesus' name. Amen.